new song students, how are we doing tonight? It's good to be with y'all, even though I know we're not totally with you guys. Uh, this is such an Oklahoma thing. Like I was thinking about this today, literally two days ago, I was working out in my garage with shorts and a t-shirt, sweating my booty off, and two days later, we're calling off service because of snow. We live in Oklahoma, guys. This is what we have to deal with. But I'm so glad that we are still able to meet and that I'm able to preach this word as we're kicking off a brand new series. Um, so, hey, let's just let's just dig into this, y'all. I mean, like, you would normally be here anyway. So why don't you just put that thing on full screen, get yourself something warm to drink. I got my coffee right here. Bundle up, and we're going to go deep tonight. We're getting into God's word. So get out your poured out journals, your being transformed journals, whatever you need to do to lean in with me tonight. I know it looks a little different, uh, you being at home and me being, you know, through YouTube and whatever we're listening to podcast, but we're still leaning in because I believe God wants to speak to you. Amen. And uh, I, I don't know if we're going to have any first timers here, but dude, if you found yourself here, we are stoked that you're here. Come back next week because it's way better in person, and we would love to have you, all right? Well, New Song students, uh, we are jumping into, like I said, a brand new series. And if you've been with us for the past month, you know, we actually just came out of an incredible three-week series called Poured Out. And uh, if you weren't able to be a part of that series, or you missed a week or two of it, uh, here's what I need you to do. After this message, you need to find some time and listen to that message, all three of those messages, because I want you to know that being filled up and poured out is not just some cool, catchy phrase that we thought would work for a series and look good on a t-shirt. No, no, no. This is where we are going as New Song students, and my hope and my prayer for us is that, man, we would all be heading in the same direction, that we would be walking in unity this year. And so do your, do your best to listen to that if you missed it. If you listened to it, you were there, shoot, go back and re-listen to it. I know I could use a re-listen, amen? So uh, I don't know about you, but I know me coming out of Poured Out, I am fired up. Like I, seriously, I'm so excited about going deeper in my faith. And I'm on a journey of going deeper in my faith and my walk with Jesus. And man, I just pray that as I go on this, man, you would come along with me. And so I cannot think of a better way to dive deeper into God, into uh, our faith, our relationship with him, than by diving deeper into his word. Come on. And we are doing this for the next month because we are kicking off a series, spending some extra time devoted completely to one book, y'all. We're devoting this next month, or even maybe longer, to the book of Colossians, and we're gonna dive into this book. We're gonna see what God has to say to us through his word. And I mentioned this last week at Students, but we really are shaking things up, and we're kind of stepping out of our normal when it comes to this series on Colossians. You know, typically at New Song Students, we, we focus on things topically. So what that means is, you know, me as your pastor, I pray and I, I seek God about what topics and themes we need to talk about at New Song Students. And that could be anything from 
relationships, struggles, sin, emotions, the names of God, parables. These are just uh, just to name a few of the things we've already done. These are topics that we've done. And after we pick that topic, then we go to the source. Come on. The bedrock of all truth, which is what? God's word. We don't go to Google. We don't go to Instagram. We don't go to our peers or culture. No, no, no. We go to God's word, which is truth. And we see what God's word has to say about that topic that we're focusing on. And and I want you to know there's nothing wrong with seeing God's word and growing topically. Like that's what we do at New Song Students and we'll do it again. But like we said last week, sometimes to grow, you've got to be stretched. You've got to change things up. You've got to shake up the routine. And that's exactly what we're doing this month. We're flipping our normal uh, routine. We're flipping it on its head and we're saying, you know what, instead of picking a topic and then going to God's word, we're just going to go to God's word and we're just going to see what God wants to teach us. Amen. And so this is important for you and I to do and to understand because, because of this truth right here in New Song Students. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. God's word is enough. God's word, it's enough. Like, I love a good series. I love cool series artwork and catchy message titles. But at the end of the day, like, God's word is enough. We could literally go to students, have worship, and just sit back and read a couple chapters as a message, and that would be enough. You know why? Because 2 Timothy 3.16, you've probably heard this before, it says, all scripture, all of it. Every single word is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching. It teaches us. It's useful for rebuking. Sometimes it cuts us. It corrects us. It trains us in righteousness. Why does it do all this? So that the servant of God, which is you and me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Man, that's a good word right there. All of God's word, all of it is enough to do all of those things. It's enough to correct us, to teach us, to rebuke us, to make us look like Jesus. God's word is enough. And that's why I'm so pumped for this series because we're going to God's word. In fact, we're going specifically to Colossians, uh, which is an incredibly dense and jam-packed book. And even as I was writing this message this week, like I couldn't even squeeze everything I wanted to into week one. So uh, just know, Uh, This is going to be a really fun, really deep uh, message, so hang on with me. Before we pray, though, I want to just kind of give you a little bit of background for the book and um, and then a challenge. First off is this. Colossians is a pretty short book in the New Testament. It's only four chapters long, and all of it comes up to a total of 95 verses. Now, I know 95 sounds like a lot of verses, but if you think about it, there are books, there are chapters in the Gospels that are almost as long as 95 chapters. Like, think about that for a second. This is a fairly short book, um, but even though it's short in length, it is super deep in truth, which we're going to find out this month. Um, And so here's my challenge for our new song students family this month, guys. I want to challenge all of us. I'm talking to you, New Song students. I'm talking to my leaders. 
I'm talking to me and anybody who's joining us tonight. I'm challenging you too. All right, let's be in the book of Colossians every single day for this series. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Jackson, I'm already trying to be in my Being Transformed journal every day, and you are going to give me more homework? Yes, I am. (laughs) But it's because I know how powerful God's Word is, and I also know that you are capable of it. And so uh, here's the thing. If you were to start um, and end the book of Colossians just in one sitting and read through it, it would take you about 10 to 15 minutes to read, depending on how fast you read. So like, you know, I'm probably hitting like a 14 minute mark, okay? That's okay, no shame. But that's easy. You could easily chunk out 15 minutes of your night before you go to bed and just bang out the book of Colossians. And if that doesn't work, pick one chapter and just focus on that every day. And if even that doesn't work, I'm gonna give you another option Pick one verse, meditate on it, think about it, and, and think about it so much to the point that it's not just something that lives in your head, you know about it, you can, you can repeat it, but it moves into your heart, becomes something that you live from, amen? Put it on a post-it, write it on your mirror, do something. In fact, if you want to do this with us, I will give you a verse to memorize. This is how much I believe in the power of God's word. I'm going to give you the verse. Ready? Are you here? It's Colossians 2, 9. I think this is the key verse for the whole book. Here's what it says. Talking about Jesus, it says, For in him, in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity. In in other words, everything that is God dwells in Jesus bodily. For in him, the whole fullness of God dwells bodily. And look at this is where it gets crazy. And you... Look to your neighbor if you're sitting with somebody, say you. Maybe say that to yourself if you're by yourself. You have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Man, Jesus, when we look at him, he's everything that God is, and you are in that. It's crazy. Memorize that for a month. I promise you, you will have a good day. You will be all right. So tonight, I really just want to open up this series Um, I want to talk about uh, really the reason behind the letter. We've talked about this before at New Song Students, but when we understand context, what was going on in the author's mind, what was happening in the story of the people that were being written to, when we understand that stuff, man, it it breathes so much life into what we're reading. And I think you could probably read Colossians without knowing any context and still get something out of it. That's how good it is. But I also know when we know the context, it changes everything. And so before we get into this beautiful, amazing book, let's pray. Let's get our minds right and ready, and then we'll jump into this word. And if you're taking notes, the title of the message is The Journey of Faith. Write that down. The Journey of Faith. All right, y'all. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much For every single person listening to this word tonight, God, I thank you for my New Song students' family and that even though we are not together in person, we can be together in spirit, God, that we can be under your word, the same word, grow from your living word, and we can be found in you, Jesus. And when we're found in you, God, we're found in all that is God. So open our eyes, Holy Spirit, tonight. 
so we can learn from you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so for those of you who, who don't know us about me, I am the oldest of the three siblings in my family. I'm the oldest kid. Any older other sibling, any older siblings watching? Um, if you are an older sibling, then you get this about me. Uh, but I've got two two siblings. I've got a younger brother and a younger sister. My my brother's name is Josh, and if you know Josh, Josh is like a teddy bear, but he's also a marine in the United States. Uh, uh, military so it's kind of an oxymoron but yeah he's like a big teddy bear who's like going out and killing people i'm just kidding i don't think he's killed anybody yet and my sister my sister's name is mia grace and mia is like the uber creative person in the family you know every family's got that person who's way cooler than everybody else but they also know it you know what i mean you know that person that's cool and they know they're cool this is Mia Grace. This is Mia. She's so cool. She's into the cool music. Um, if you hang out with her, you know she's got like really cool clothes. And she's into like the weird cool stuff. Like she knows how to make wigs for for movies and plays from scratch. Like that's Mia's energy. You feel me? That's that's Mia. So, so I say all of that to say this. I'm an older sibling. And there's definitely some pretty sweet benefits to being the older sibling. The first one that comes to mind, and I'm just gonna just gonna be real with you guys. Older siblings are the favorite child in the house. I'm sorry to break it to you. I, I'm your pastor, and I can't lie to you. All right, there is there is a special favor that is over older siblings. I don't I can't explain it, um, but it's just true. And you know, younger siblings, you are loved too. But there's just something special about older siblings. But even though there are benefits to being an older sibling. There are definitely some cons to being an older sibling. And I think if I think about it personally for me, you know, a con is that I experienced is I just wish I had a mentor figure in my life. You know, that's one of the things that younger siblings have that an older sibling doesn't is they've got somebody in their sphere, in their family, that's just a couple steps ahead of them in the right direction or the wrong direction. But either way, you get to learn from their successes and their mistakes. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to say that all older siblings feel this way or that no younger siblings feel this way. But in general, I think a lot of older siblings feel this feeling of, I just wish I had somebody that could speak into my life. I just wish I had somebody that I could look to as an example in my life. And I think if everything's working great and you're in a healthy environment, then you've got amazing parents and maybe even amazing leaders in your life to look up to. But regardless, I think we've all felt this way before. I mean, New Song students, have you ever had that thought before? Like, I just wish I had somebody to help me. I just wish I had somebody to speak direction into my life. Come on, we've all been there before. And I've got some good news for you. We actually do have somebody like that in our life. We do have a mentor figure. And this is actually the exact same context that we find this, this church in the book of Colossians. Now, uh, just a little backstory on this book. The book of Colossians was written by a guy named Paul. You've probably heard about Paul before. And um, 
uh, he's writing this letter to a specific church, like a specific group of people in this town called Colossae. Now, you've got to think about the timeline and the history of when this book was written with me for a second. Uh, These people, or this book was written in 60 AD. So think about this with me for a second. There are still people walking and talking and breathing on the earth at this point that were alive when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected. That's how fresh Christianity was. Church is still just being born. This, This church that Paul is writing to, they didn't have this. They didn't have this Bible that's put together and sits on our nightstands and collects dust. Sorry, didn't mean to step on anybody's toes. Uh, They didn't have 2,000 years of church history that you and I walk through and and traditions that we have that we don't even realize that we walk in. They didn't have any of that. You hear me? And when it comes to the family of God, um, which you and I are a part of, by the way, this church in Colossae, there, there are older siblings in the faith, and they are just trying to figure out how in the world you follow Jesus in a world that's probably following something else. Sounds kind of familiar, right? Sounds like you and me today. They're trying to figure out how do I do this journey of faith and stay in this journey of faith in a world that is going in the opposite direction. Sounds just like you and me. Sounds exactly like what every single person listening to my voice right now is trying to do. We're trying to follow Jesus. We're trying to stay on this journey of faith in a world that's probably going in every other direction. Um, And they're a group of people that are needing a mentor figure. They're needing some help. They're needing a Paul to come and to speak into their situation. Now, in in chapter 1, if you read chapter 1 of Colossians with us, at this church, there's a leader, the Church of Colossae, and this leader's name is Epaphras. Somebody say that with me. Say Epaphras. Now, what you need to know about Epaphras is, number one, he's got a pretty cool name. Number two is he studied under Paul the Apostle. If you've read the book of Acts before, which if you haven't, stop what you're doing right now. Just kidding continue this message, and then go back and find some time to read the book of Acts. But Acts is all about how the church got started and just spread like wildfire. And in Acts 18, we find Paul doing ministry in this really big city in the Roman Empire called Ephesus. It's where we get the Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. And during his time in Ephesus, this was a major city. It was like New York City back in the day. During his time there, he ends up staying there for three years, which was a lot longer than any other place he ministered to. And while he was in Ephesus, in this big, bustling city, he starts a Bible study that kind of turns into a little mini Bible school. And he does this, he teaches every day, teaches Jesus, teaches the Bible, teaches God's word to these people every day for three years. Crazy. And the people that were a part of this group got so fired up about God, about Jesus, about the word, that they all spread out to their hometowns. And they just, all these little churches started popping up everywhere because of this school that Paul started. It was pretty cool. 
So this is where Epaphras comes from. Epaphras goes from Ephesus back to Colossae, starts this church, and things are going great. These people are loving Jesus. The church is growing for a while. <laughs> but over time, the church starts to struggle with what it means to follow Jesus. They start to think wrong things. They start to take wrong turns on their journey of faith. Things start to creep into the church. Things like religion, uh, things like culture start to come into the church. And it gets bad enough that Epaphras, who needs help, goes to Paul and says, Dude, Paul, pastoring is harder than I thought. Like everything started off great, but now there's drama and people are quarreling and disagreeing and I don't know what to do. I need your help. David Guzik, we love David Guzik here at New Song Students. He says this about Colossians. He says, Paul wrote because there were problems among the Christians in Colossae. Now, I know that sounds really simple, but think about this with me for a second. Paul wrote this letter to confront this church. Now, if you didn't know that information and you read the book of Colossians, I guarantee you, you probably would not think Paul was confronting them in this book. But he was. Now, before we really get into the meat of like what Paul is confronting, what he's talking about and teaching the church in chapter 1, I think there are some pretty amazing truths that come out of just knowing that fact that Paul is warning this church. Look at this. The first thing, this is so important, New Song students, that we see is this. Every family needs direction. Every family needs direction. Listen to this. Even healthy families. Every family needs direction. Even healthy families. Another way we could say this is kind of flip it on its head. Every family, no matter how good it is, has the potential to go south. Come on, New Song students, have you ever been a part of a group or a family or in a group of friends that went south? Yeah, I know I have. Maybe for you, you were in a group of friends and it started off so good, kind of like this church in Colossae. Everything was great, but then over time, things started to go south. People started fighting. People started thinking wrong things. Sometimes people start dating each other and drama arises. Come on, this is real life, people. <laughs> Things started to go south and then over time, people start picking sides and over, over time, the group just dissolves into nothing. This happens. Maybe for you, you've experienced this, but it wasn't necessarily with a group of friends, but it was with a church family. This happens. Church families go south sometimes. Maybe you were part of a church that started off so good. But then over time, it started to get clicky and it felt like you got pushed out of the group. This happens. Maybe uh, you were a part of a church family and a leader came to you and said something that brought confusion into your life. Or man, maybe you, maybe you witnessed a leader fall and their sin broke up the church family you were a part of. This stuff is real. Whatever that may have looked like for you, man, it's important for us to understand, New Song students, even the healthiest families still have room to grow. 
even the healthiest families still have room to grow. And New Song students, I will go out and say it right now, I believe that we have a very strong and healthy family. And that's something we should be proud of, man. Strong and healthy families stick together. They're under the same vision. They're including one another. They're doing life together. Those are all things that I see happening in us, in our family. But, uh, but I also know that just because we're healthy now doesn't mean we're invincible. You hear me? And the, the, the truth that we got to understand is there is a very real enemy that we face. And man, you know what he hates more than anything is he hates powerful, strong families of God that are united. And so when he sees a family like New Song students who is powerful, strong, seeking after God, united under one vision, man, he would love to come, come in and sow in seeds of wrong thinking and seeds of disunity and drama to try and break up what God is doing. Look at what God's word says about this. I want to share a couple scriptures with you. First Peter 5, you've heard this before. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, uh-oh, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. First Timothy 4.16, pay close attention to yourselves and to your teaching. Teaching is important. Look at this. Per- persevere in these things and the things you're learning. For as you do, you will ensure salvation both for yourselves and for those who hear you. I got one more for you. You ready for this? Second John 1.8. Watch yourself. I like how John starts that up. Watch yourself. Look to your neighbor or whoever's with you. And maybe say to yourself, watch yourself, okay? Watch yourself that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Amen. Okay, so there's a pattern here in all three of those scriptures I just shared with you. Look at this. Be alert, pay attention, watch yourself. Be alert, pay attention, watch yourself. What's the pattern we see here? Healthy families are not done growing. Just because you have a healthy family or you see good stuff happening in your friend group now doesn't mean you can put your guard down and just coast. Come on, this is a good warning for us to hear. Even the healthiest families still have room to grow. And when, we, when, when you do have a healthy family, you should be willing to protect the health of that family. Listen to me. Even if that means asking for help. Even if that means going to a mentor and saying, we need help. Can you speak through this? And look at this. This is exactly what's happening in the church of Colossae. This is exactly what's happening. I think it's so easy for us to sit back and judge this church or any other church for that matter. I bet people during this time were like, oh man, did you hear about the drama happening over in Colossae? Whew. I wonder what I wonder what that guy Epaphras is teaching over there, stirring up drama. You probably had people saying things like, yeah, we used to be a part of Colossae, but uh, you know, that was before it got big and you know, the bigness ruined everything about it. This happens, y'all. This happens. But check this out. I love, I love um, that that Paul was not in this mindset. You see, Paul understood this truth that every family, 
every family still has room to grow. And here's what I love about Epaphras, who was leading this church. He was on guard. He was alert. He wasn't just coasting and going through the motions. He noticed there are things happening in this church that need to be spoken into. And so he did something. He humbled himself and he went to Paul and he said, Paul, we need your help. Dude, can you come and help us? Every family needs direction. This is the first thing that I think we see when, when we study the context of this, of this book. And the second thing that I think rises up, something that the Lord revealed to me as I was studying, is this, the way Paul confronts them. The way in which Paul confronts them. Like, remember, Paul's not just writing a letter to them to be like, what's up, church? Can't wait to see you guys. I've been praying for you. I'll be there in a couple months. Um, just make sure you keep following Jesus. Amen. Like, that's not how the letter went. Paul is writing this letter to warn them, to confront them that they are going in a wrong direction. If they keep going in this way, it's going to tear their family apart. But, but the way that he, that he confronts them is so different than the way we tend to deal with confrontation. You see, in our, in our sinful in our human and natural way to deal with things, we kind of either do one of two extremes. We either ghost people when drama arises or we cancel people when drama comes up. Come on, think about it. Like we either do one of two things. Something happens in your friends, in your family, in a group that you're part of. We either ghost them, we pretend like nothing's wrong until the, the whole thing just disappears, including the group, or we cancel people. We reject people. We shun people. We say, oh, you messed up this one time or this few times. We're kicking you out and we're going to cause so much division that this group has to split. This is what we tend to do. But what I love and I think we can learn from Paul is that you don't have to ghost people. You don't have to cancel people. There's a third option. And here's the third option. It's confronting people with the love of Christ. You can do this, New Song students. Confront people with the love of Christ. When, when issues in, in your family or in your group or friends rises up, you don't have to jump into canceling. You don't have to avoid by, coast, by ghosting. You can confront them with the love of Christ. And look at this. I'm going to read to you a passage from chapter 1. And this is how Paul decides to confront them. Listen to this. He says this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid upon you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world and it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also is among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our bro- shout out to Epaphras, <laughs> Epaphras, our brother and beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Think about this for a second. This is Paul writing a letter to warn this church. And that's how he starts off his letter. Like, I wish... I dare you, New Song students, to confront somebody like this. Look at this. I think there are three things that we learn 
from Paul and this confrontation, and they all rhyme, all right? So you know it's true. You ready for it? I'm going to hit you with them all right now, and then I'll explain it. Paul did this. Pray, say, and stay. Pray, say, stay. What is the first thing that Paul said to this church in Colossae? He didn't say to them, come on, guys. You guys are being a bunch of dummies. How many times do I have to tell you you don't have to take Passover to be a Christian? Stop it. Like, no, that's not how he starts this passage at all. Here's how he starts this passage. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Not only that, he says, I'm always praying for you. You are on my prayer list, and I'm believing God is taking you somewhere greater than you are right now. Man, I wonder how many of the confrontations and, and, the, and the, the, the things that are in our groups that we are a part of, how different those issues would turn out if we just started like this. If we just said, God, I'm going to pray for these people. You know what? Before I start doing things in my own understanding and the, from the information that I know, I'm going to seek a higher understanding. I'm going to pray for these people. And I'm going to pray God would move in their life. Paul prayed. The second thing he did is this. Paul said something. Say. He said something. He didn't just throw away this group. Uh, when, when things started to arise, you know what Paul didn't say? He didn't look at them and say, well, that's Epaphras' problem, dude. Dude, you planted the church. You need to deal with it. No, no, no. Paul saw that he had room to say something. He saw that these people needed him to say something. They needed that direction. The final thing is this. He stayed. Paul stayed. What do I mean by this? He didn't just throw away this group of people because they were going through issues. Paul saw this drama, this wrong thinking that arised in them. And you know what Paul had in this relationship with them? He had some grit, if we're being honest. Paul had grit. I wonder how many of the relationships and the groups and the things in our lives that could have been solved if we just didn't quit. If we just had a little bit of grit in our relationships and said, you know what, I'm going to stay. I'm going to say something in love. I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to see what happens with this. Look at this. David Guzik writes this. He says, this letter full of love and concern written to a church, listen to this, that Paul had never planted nor visited. Paul didn't even plant this church, y'all. He had never been to this church. And yet, look at this. He shows the power of Christian love. Paul didn't need to see or meet or directly know these Christians in order to love them or be concerned for them. I haven't even gotten to the main meat of chapter one yet. But man, how many of us, our relationships, our friendships, the, the groups that we're a part of, will look differently if we just modeled our life after Paul's confrontation? Man, if we just prayed if we said something and if we stayed. This is what we learn when we see the context of Colossians. And so, guys, with the rest of the time that we have, I want to get ready to wrap up this message. I want to summarize, man, what is Paul trying to address to this church in Colossae? Like, what is what is chapter 1 about? Well, if you guys, after this message, would do a quick read-through of chapter 1, it's not going to take you very long. For you to realize this chapter is about one thing 
and one thing only, Jesus. This passage is all about Jesus. And really, chapter 1 is by far one of the most beautiful and dense passages about Jesus in all of the Bible. And I want you to know Paul is not doing this on accident. Paul is not accidentally writing about Jesus instead of addressing the the, uh, issues specifically with this church. Paul knows exactly what he's doing. He knows the reason behind writing about Jesus because here's what he's trying to get them to see. Hey, you guys, you haven't maxed out Jesus yet. I know you think like there are other things you can focus on now. I'm telling you, you are just in the shallow end when it comes to Jesus. There's so much more for you to learn. Look at this. I love this quote. The fullness is in Jesus Christ, not in a church, not in a priesthood, not in a building, not in a sacrament, not in the saints, not in a method or a program, but in Jesus Christ himself. Okay, so why? Why is Paul spending so much time writing so densely, so deeply about Jesus? Well, it's because two things were starting to rise in this church. Two things, legalism and mysticism. Just really quickly, I want to touch on this. Legalism, what is that? That's religion. Religion started to creep in. People in the Jewish faith started uh, coming into this church and saying, oh, oh, yeah, you got saved? You, you received Jesus? Uh, Jesus' sacrifice for you on the cross? That's great, man. That's awesome. Now make sure that you keep the Sabbath and and do Passover. And you know what? While you're at it, why don't you just become a Jewish person with us? <laughs> and here's what that did. Legalism took the focus off of Jesus and put the focus on works. And that was something that was creeping into this church. And then the second thing that creeped in was mysticism. This was the culture of Colossae. And basically what that looked like was this. People came in and they're like, oh yeah, you got saved? Like Jesus, that's awesome. He's a great prophet. You know though, There are some really deep secrets and spiritual experiences that you have not yet gotten. And what that did was this. Mysticism took the focus off of Jesus and put the focus on spiritual experiences. Yeah, Jesus is great, but you need to focus on experiencing this. You need to figure out the deep secrets of this. So Paul comes along, check this out, and he's like, guys, you're missing the point. Jesus is the secret. Jesus is everything. He's your focus. He's what it's all about. Here are the three things chapter one is about. And and, and really what this is uh, looking like is, is this is Paul talking about our journey of faith. He says, hey, you guys are on this journey of faith, trying to live like Jesus and, and know him better. This is what you need to know about the journey of faith. Number one, our vehicle is Jesus. Our vehicle is Jesus. Paul is trying to get this church in Colossae to understand that on this journey of faith, as you grow in your your relationship with God, the only way you're going to get there is in the vehicle of Jesus. And this speaks to something super important. You've probably heard it before. It's our identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ. You see, Paul understands that um, on this journey of faith, realistically, like this church, we're going to find ourselves on the side of the road. There's going to be seasons in our life where we're going to be found in a ditch, or maybe we took some wrong turns and we're not necessarily in the right direction. 
And Paul says this, even though you're in a ditch or you're on the side of the road or you've turned in the wrong direction, you're still in Christ. Look at this. I love the way Paul opens up this book. He says this, your journey's not over. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. This is, look, look at this. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Paul doesn't address this family um, by saying, hey, you guys are messing up and I can't even tell if you're Christians or not. No, 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 no. Paul says this. He says, in, in a warning, by the way, he calls them saints. He says, saints and faithful brothers in Christ. Paul says that even in the middle of this confrontation where I'm warning you about something that could tear your family apart, even then, you are still in Christ. Your identity is in him. Even though you've strayed from the path, that doesn't necessarily mean you're not in the car. Jesus is our vehicle. Number two is this. When we're on a road trip, when we're trying to get somewhere, what do we need? We need a map. Paul lets us know our roadmap is Jesus. Write that down. Our roadmap is Jesus. Look at this, Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. In other words, you want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. He's everything God is, and you can see him. Colossians 1.26 says this, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but is now revealed to his saints. What is it? Look at this. To tell them, uh, to tell God, or to them God chose to make known how great the Gentiles are, the riches and glory of this mystery which is in you, Christ, the hope of glory. Paul is trying to let these people know, hey, you're trying to look for the secret sauce, the, the secret message to, to walking with Jesus, to walking this faith out. It's not The secret message is not in your works. It's not in some spiritual experience that you can find outside of Jesus. He said, no, the road map is Jesus. The mystery you're seeking, guess what? It's Jesus. It's already been revealed. Our vehicle is Jesus. Our roadmap is Jesus. So where are we heading? Well, our final point tonight is this. Our destination is maturity in Jesus. That's where we're heading. Maturity in Jesus. Colossians 1.28 says this. This is the last verse in chapter 1. Him we proclaim, talking about Jesus, warning everyone. This is what Paul is doing. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, what are we doing? That we may present everyone, everyone, New Song students, New Song kids, your parents, everyone, that may, they may be mature in Christ. New Song students, I don't know where you are in your journey of faith, but I do know this, man, Colossians opens us up to an incredible truth that Jesus is our vehicle Jesus is our only roadmap. And when we look at our roadmap, when we stay in our vehicle, you know where we end up? Jesus takes us to maturity. He makes us look more like him. This is what Colossians is all about. Uh, New Song students, let's pray. Um, and then we'll, we'll wrap up this night. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Colossians, God. And the fact that it opens up our eyes, Lord, to see you, Jesus, as the center of it all. You are our source. You are our purpose. 
You're our vehicle, God. I pray for every single student here listening to the sound of my voice. Would you give us a hunger for your word and reveal to us what we need to know as we step into Colossians in a greater way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, New Song students. I love you. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Uh, I cannot wait to see you guys this weekend, and we'll see you later. Peace.